This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm Bob Asman, your host, and uh, welcome back for uh, this episode, which I think you'll find interesting. We've been having a few podcasts about technology and the advancement of technology, and I think you'll find my two guests today quite interesting in what they're doing with um, supporting the customer experience profession through technology. So with that, I'd like uh, Daniel and Doran, if you would, introduce yourselves uh, to our listening audience. And perhaps, uh, Daniel, I'll ask you to go first. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for uh, for having us, Bob. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm Daniel. I'm the co-founder and CEO of uh, Fullview. I'm based in uh, Copenhagen, Denmark. I have a pretty mixed international background and yeah, I really uh, have been working in SaaS, uh, B2B SaaS for uh, quite a couple of years. And I was really lucky to uh, to meet Doran in the, like, the entrepreneurial ecosystem here. And, and we started Fullview together um, about one and a half years ago. And I've had a really awesome uh, growth journey since then. So it's early days for us, but uh, really exciting times to be uh, building this startup, especially in the CX space these days. So that's really quickly on me. Excellent. Thanks, Daniel. How about Doran? Nice to meet you, Bob. Thanks a lot for having us. Uh, I'm Doyle, the other co-founder of Fullview, as Daniel mentioned. I'm also based in Copenhagen, and I'm uh, leading our product efforts at Fullview. I started Fullview together with Daniel kind of like out of uh, a needs that I experimented in the past before I had a product studio for about six, seven years, where we built uh, all kinds of web applications for enterprise customers here in Scandinavia. And then in most of the cases, I could find myself uh, questioning about the customer's issues. I was having kind of like a product role, but all, also touching the customer support and always thought that uh, there must be a better way of understanding customer support support rather than just doing that uh, back and forth via, via chat. And that's how we started Fullview. That's great. And what I really like about having Daniel and Doran on the podcast is uh, we love the global nature. Uh, sometimes with having a U.S.-based podcast, we get caught up in what's happening in the U.S. So I think the fact that you both are based uh, in Europe, in Copenhagen, and can shed some light on the global nature of customer experience, that's great. So Daniel and Doran, before we kind of get into a more broader strategic view of customer experience, why don't you share a little bit about what Full View is so our listeners have an idea of what your approach was? Yeah, sure. Happy happy to shed some light on that. So uh, Fullview, in a nutshell, uh, it's a platform that lets you uh, find and fix uh, technical support issues um, working in parallel together with your ticketing system, like, for example, Zendesk or Intercom. So we plug into um, yeah, web applications, and then we let you skip that whole back and forth when you try to understand your customers' issues uh, via a chat, for example, or through a ticket in Zendesk. Um, by letting you watch what happened on your customer screen historically 
uh, both like visually in the UI, you can watch essentially what looks like video recordings uh, as well as console log data uh, and more. So that's quickly in a nutshell, elevator pitch there uh, of, of what we do. <laughs> I love the elevator pitches, that's good. So so tell me, how did how did you get into this? How did you see customer experience? How did you see the need? It's always curious when we're mm -hmm. talking to entrepreneurs about what was the trigger? What happened? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, maybe I can kind of start by telling the founding story of like, yeah, me and Doran, what we were doing and how we let, yeah, we, we came to start this company and then Doran can definitely talk more about um, his perspective as well. But um, so from, from my side, like I was working with customer relationships in, in a B2B SaaS companies for the past couple of years and uh, basically owning customer relationships. Uh, so I would also be on the receiving end of a lot of uh, support requests and also kind of like, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? Or this thing doesn't work in the product. And people never realize that they're not actually giving you a lot of information when they reach out to a, um, to a company with a, you know, with a complaint or, you know, the people just say it doesn't work. Your first question then is what doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think a lot of support people listening to this can probably relate to that. So I saw it from that kind of uh, relationship management perspective. And Doran uh, can touch more about how he saw it from the product angle, uh, because there's obviously a lot of technical issues that you need to be able to debug. Um, so we decided, hey, let's build a much faster way to uh, automate that whole, you know, context finding in um, support requests. And yeah, Doran, do you want to talk more about like your your perspective, how you saw things before starting Poolview? Definitely. So as I mentioned, like having a product role in the past, uh, I was a lot in touch with all the the, the issues that our customers uh, faced. And in a lot of it, like maybe if you like if you work in support, you definitely know that it can get quite messy to understand the problem on the customer side. And then that takes a lot of time. Uh, and once you do understand, then uh, as a customer support, if there is indeed an issue, you have to pass that information uh, down to the engineering teams and product teams. And so how do you do that? You typically gather all kinds of screenshots, uh, long paragraphs of text that take about 10, 15, 20 minutes or even more. And then in all that process, maybe you are losing a screenshot of the console, for example, and then uh, you you create a ticket into Jira or other ticketing system for developers, and then they get back to you and they say, "Hey, uh, I understand part of the problem, but you're missing a, a we're missing maybe an HTTP request. Do you know what happened there?" And then there is this back and forth, not just between customer support and the end user, but also between the customer support and the engineering teams. So I was sitting in uh, in that role in the past, and. That's how, like, I've been talking with Daniel. There must be a better way to to understand this issue. Why why can't we have this uh, automated so that customer support can instantly understand the issue on the end user side, but then can also instantly pass on uh, that information to dev teams without the back and forth. So this is fascinating. What I really like about that, what you just talked about, is. As entrepreneurs, you also did the jobs and experienced the pain. Did I understand that right? Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, that's what makes it so so intriguing that you, because too often times we think technology is going to solve everything because we haven't experienced the actual problem. And in, in this case, you two have experienced the problem and trying to solve it through technology, which I really think is fantastic. Exactly. And, and we use like we basically built the product that we wish we had ourselves. And then actually now 
that the product is in the market. We use it. Uh, we are also a software company ourselves, right? Coincidentally, right. so we use the product ourselves every single day. So tell me about, um, you know, you, you might not be able to reveal the actual name of the customer, but tell me about the profile of your customers. Who's using it? What's their applications and so forth? Yeah, um, so we, uh, at the moment, we focus exclusively on uh, on the software market. Uh, but of course, uh, in the future, right. we do see us, ourselves expanding to, um, yeah, all kinds of businesses that have digital portals or even uh, yeah, digital experiences with their uh, customers. But uh, yeah, we focus on uh, B2B software companies. Um, and that range from, of course, that's quite broad, but that could range anywhere from there's like, you know, uh, insurance platforms out there or automotive ERP systems, um, HR platforms, whatever you name it, but software, like there's a quote out there uh, from, I think it's Mark Andreessen who said that software is eating the world. It's kind of like a, you know, basically saying that every industry in the world kind of runs on software. So uh, it makes sense that you need a tool to be able to troubleshoot all of that software that all of these businesses out there in the world, they rely on. So that's why we decided to focus on on the B2B software market to start with. So that's even great too, that you mentioned the B2B market because so much of what we hear and talk about is B2C and and much less visibility around B2B. And so that's great to hear that, that that's an area of focus for you and that they, that you can translate that across industry. So you don't, you're not necessarily industry specific in terms of your software application. That's that's exactly right. And yeah, I mean, I think people, they uh, when they think of customer experience and customer support, they think about uh, their own consumer experiences, right? Maybe you bought something from Amazon or whatever it might be, and you had a bad customer experience, not necessarily with Amazon, but with any company in the world out there, right? It's happened to all of us at some point. Um, but I think also like with B2B, there's a much bigger meta trend in terms of you know, B2B software is becoming consumerized in some way because people are not just buying software in a top-down approach where it's like, for example, a C-level manager buys a solution and then implements it into his or her team. But there's actually more like bottoms-up software uh, solution out there where, for example, Loom is a good example. It's like a video tool that uh, it's also B2B, but anyone can just sign up for it. Or Zoom, we're using Zoom uh, today right for this uh, mm-hmm. for this recording here but anyone can sign up for zoom but that means that there's a lot of individual users inside of companies that need uh, customer support which what does that mean for vendors and companies it means that the support volume massively increases because now you don't need to just support um one you know product owner or one c-level executive who bought the software but you need to support all the individual users of the software too who signed up along the way Mm-hmm. Well, and as one, uh, as somebody a lot smarter than me once said, is, is that we were debating the difference between B2B and B2C. They said, look, we're all customers. That's the bottom line. So whether it's exactly. B2B or B2C, we're all customers trying to get a job. There's people. <laughs> exactly. There's people behind the scenes trying to solve a problem at the end of the day. Right, right. We used to call that. I used to say that that's at the core of any motion. You know, I, I dealt with a lot of different organizations. They said, well, we're different than everybody else. And I'd say, well, what What is at the core of what you're doing? Well, we're solving customer problems. And I'd say, exactly. Everybody's trying to do the same thing. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so so you, you mentioned uh, what you're hearing by, from customers. As well. It's a great lead in to my next question, which is, what are you hearing from customers? What are their challenges? What are they, what are they trying to achieve in customer experience? Because 
um, you have this unique ability to do that um, because you're talking to different clients in different industries. So what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think that a big thing that we see over and over again is that customer support teams are becoming more tied in together with product teams. Um, And I think it's also kind of related to what Doran was saying earlier, but I think it's because people, they realize that, okay, we have problems, whether it's B2B, B2C, whatever it might be. It could also be like maybe you, uh, you know, your consumer company dealing with, for example, like, you know, makeup packages, whatever it might be. You want to improve that product based on what your customers are telling you through your support channels, right? Uh, Regardless if it's B2B or B2C products. Um, So we definitely see this big trend of support teams. And sometimes they actually even report to directly to, for example, the head of product or like uh, uh, chief product officer uh, is actually like the stakeholder of the support team because there is so much information and feedback hidden in all of these support conversations that um, that needs to be tied back into the product development. Uh, and yeah, with that said, I think that that's great, but it's also a little bit idealistic because actually, if you think about it, the majority of uh, problems that customers experience, they'll never report those. And I think it was Zendesk had a report on this that they said that it's only like one out of 26 um, problems that are actually reported to to a company. And the rest are just, you know, people just ignore them or eventually they just get frustrated and, and they cancel their subscription. So we're trying to un, un, kind of unearth a lot of these problems that, um, you know, happen in your software or in your pro- different products, but are never reported. So you can find them proactively. You know, Daniel, it brings up a really good point. And and, uh, I was in a business to consumer situation where I got this huge promotion from a company that I do a lot of work with, business with, and uh, they wanted me to activate an offer. And when I went to activate the offer, the website was down. And I thought to myself, wow, what a terrible experience that is, that you do a promotion, you make an offer and the website's down. And then there's no way to communicate that to back to them without calling, you know, wasting your own time calling customer service Mm -hmm. and then getting customer service and have them say, well, we'll pass it along. Right. Well, okay, but you have probably thousands and thousands of customers trying to access the offer and and yet it's broken. And, you know, how many how much time am I going to go back and try to do this? Right. Exactly. Yeah, and your your time is valuable as a customer, right? You're extremely busy. You don't want to just like donate all your time to reporting these issues that you found, which, you know, maybe at the end of the day, they don't affect you that much. So what's the incentive for you as a customer to report issues, right? Right. This is fascinating what you talked about, the the Zendesk report of one of 26 issues are reported. I can remember years ago, the General Electric Answer Center used to have a system in place where you could, um, if there were so many issues reported about a refrigerator or a stove or something like that, that it would alert the engineering department to say, you've got a problem. You know, we're getting reports of a motor failure in refrigerator XYZ, um, and it's over the threshold. You got to do something about it. Is that similar mm-hmm. to what you're talking about? That's actually, yeah, that, that, that's a funny example. Yeah, but that, that's essentially the same thing, same principle that lives today. Uh and whether it's like a, but you know, in a more digital world today with, uh, yeah, software products, it's the exact same thing. A lot of customers they will experience issues, and then they won't actually the 
the vendor or the producer of that software won't actually know about those issues because most people probably won't bother to report them. And it's also something we've, uh, yeah, we're looking into a lot with our product, like how can we enable people to proactively find those issues um, before people even report them in the first place? Because like the, the example you just mentioned assumes that people will report the issue with the fridge or with the website or with the application or whatever it is. Right. Right. But what do you do if that, what do you do if people aren't reporting, if only one in 26 are reporting the issue in the first place, doesn't mean that the issue doesn't happen. Right. Dan, you're not talking about being proactive with problem reporting, are you? That's exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) And it's a, it's, it's like a buzzword in some way. And like, of course it's, you know, there's still a lot of technological development that needs to happen in, in the market before uh, companies can become proactive. I think a lot of, depending on what type of customer you have, or what kind of um, product you have, but especially for software companies in our market, like there's so, it's so hard to gain visibility into like where the problems occur because a lot of software products have a lot of complexity to them. There's, you know, hundreds of different services and, you know, different parts that go into building software. So it's almost like finding a needle in a haystack. Don't you think, Doran, as a product guy, that it's a pain? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love Bob's example with the general electric because actually, just as I mentioned before, like whenever there is a customer issue, even in the cases where that issue is reported, nowadays, tech is becoming more and more complex and you have so many dependencies, so many third parties, and there's so many stakeholders involved till the point that the actual developer will get to see that uh, that issue. So maybe in some cases you have like level one support, and then in case there is something more technical that uh, they need to pass on uh, the case to level two and level two needs to pick up from there and then add even more information and do more investigation. And eventually you will uh, report that to, to developers. But basically what we're trying to do, it's also to uh, to skip, like we, we were thinking, how can we skip uh, some of these steps in, in this process? How can we make this process more efficient? Therefore, uh, proactively creating tickets, reporting these issues to the, directly to the developers with the, the entire context that they would need. Well, Doran, you're... you're kind of talking about one and done then, aren't you? You know, I've reported an issue and I can get it resolved quickly and efficiently without all these escalation processes. Have I understood that right? Absolutely. Or you might not even have to talk to a, to an, an agent, a support agent, because maybe by the time they talk to the support agent, they already know about the issue. They've been notified. The issue has been passed on to the engineering team. And in case it's some uh uh, an issue that is affected is affecting several customers uh there is already a fixing progress and you would just be notified as an end user that hey uh, the issue that you just experienced two hours ago has been solved thank you thank you for the the understanding you know i just I, I just can't get over the proactive nature of what you're talking about because in customer experience we spend a lot of time reacting right reacting to an inquiry reacting to a sale, reacting to a problem. And exactly. and yes, to some extent, you're still reacting to an issue or problem within the software, but you're bec- you're moving the needle, right? To be much more proactive. Exactly. And we have, like, we, we are using our own medicine and full view. Uh, we, we use full view to understand full view's customer, uh, full, full view's customer issues. 
and they can tell you that customers are writing us uh, emails that they it's like out of the uh, ordinary experience that we're offering them top-notch experience because we reach out to them proactively and we say hey we noticed that you had an issue when you clicked the button x uh, we just want to let you know that uh, there is an issue there is a fix in progress and probably in a, about uh, two three hours uh, the problem would have been solved yeah exactly to, to, to add to that like it goes beyond just uh trying to like solve and fix a uh one individual support ticket because like you said bob like a lot of the time support teams they end up being just reactive so you might just spend all all your like your whole day just like you know finding seeing a zendesk ticket and then closing a zendesk ticket going on to the next one right that's great but then you're not actually preventing those support tickets from happening in the first place by also you know improving your actual product and that's kind of what our vision with our company as well and then with our product to become like a bridge between the support teams and product teams to be able to yeah improve their product over time so they're not just chasing after repetitive issues that could be could be prevented that that's an interesting comment that you made uh, daniel in that um you know as we talk about service recovery processes and you know, one of the cornerstones of service recovery is you have to do it quickly and effectively. And then once you've done that, you don't want to repeat it. So you want to feed that information back into your product pricing, marketing, engineering teams to say, we're seeing a common problem so that they can fix it. So it doesn't happen again. And what customers often say is, you know, I'll give you one mistake, you know, I'll forgive the company a mistake or an error um, once, but um, and in fact, if you do it, you recover well, uh, oftentimes retention goes up. But if you make the same mistake twice, the retention, loyalty, all kinds of key factors in customer experience drop dramatically because the customer says, wait a minute, this company doesn't know what they're doing. I'm having this problem. It's a repeated problem. They're not fixing it. So your comment about feeding it back engineering is really that continuous improvement process that says, We've identified errors, we're correcting it so the customer doesn't experience it again. And as I said, that's really a cornerstone of customer experience and service recovery is it's okay if you make a mistake, but you got to recover quickly and you can't let it happen again. Exactly. Imagine, like, use this metaphor, imagine that you're eating at a restaurant and then you have to, for whatever reason, the food is too salty or something's wrong with it, you send it back to the kitchen, right? And the waiter's really nice and, like, you know, apologetic and like they, you know, it's on the house, we take it back. But then imagine you, that keeps happening over and over again. Then it's not, then it doesn't really matter how nice the waiter is, right? Or like how, how many times they give you something for free at the restaurant, but you need to go back to the kitchen and say, hey, you know, something's wrong with this dish uh, because customers keep complaining. Let's actually fix that. And that's kind of the same thing we're doing for a B2B software with that analogy. We want you to be able to fix repetitive issues. So you don't have to constantly, you know, run after your own tail trying to still solve these support requests. Mm -hmm. um, so how long have you been at this? How long have you been developing this? Uh, by the way, now I understand that the reason you called it full view, I Now I put two and two <laughs> together there. So very good there. But how long have you been at this? Yeah, not that long, actually. So we're still early stage startup. Um, and we started the company in around like fall of 2021. So it's been about one and a half years from now. Um, that was yeah, February 23. So yeah, one and a half years. So it's been really, really uh, 
yeah, fast so far. And we were able to attract a lot of capital from investors for this because it seems like the problem really resonates and like the big market trend is definitely also, it, it makes sense, right? We're talking about it in this podcast and the problem is somewhat obvious, but the solution is just not there yet. So yeah, we're also able to attract some great capital from uh, people like Lightspeed in the US and um, Cherry Ventures in Germany and the founders of Unity and Plio and so forth. And if I could just add on top of that, Please, one, mm -hmm. of the, one of the major waves that we're kind of like riding on is that co uh, customer support. It's not seen as a just like, just as a cost center anymore. Uh, customer support is also seen as like a way to expand your business because you can grow by having by by acquiring new customers, but you can definitely grow by by uh, having the existing customers to expand with you. And I think this is a macro trend that we've been riding on. Um, and it seems that the, the, the solution that we have fits right into the, uh, this trend. Doran, it's so true. Uh, and that attitude drives the way you set up those support centers. If you view them as a cost center, you have a dramatically different view of them than if you consider them a profit center. In the U.S., we've had, I think it was an airline that eliminated their customer service and went completely all self-service. And and. I mean, I'm assuming they did it for cost-cutting reasons, but it's so short-sighted that they don't see the opportunity to, um, like you said, to expand the customer relationship, especially in a B2B environment, right? You're trying to expand that customer relationship all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's especially because customer support can uh, and is becoming a major uh, point of uh, making a difference versus the competition, a difference, differentiator, differentiator point. So you can have uh, some amazing features, a product that uh, it's uh, thinking outside of the box, but then by by uh, having ex extremely good customer support, it's a way to make a difference. Because if you would just say maybe fintech, if you give me an example of a fintech company, uh, if and if you give me half an hour, I'll probably come back with a than other competitors. But a way to make a difference, it's also the way uh, in, in the relationships we, you create with your customers by the type of customer support that you're doing. No question about it. Um, and, and another uh, question for you. Uh, so are you global in nature? Is your software being utilized? Uh, I know you're, you're just an early startup, but is it being utilized in the US mm -hmm. or, or in other countries? Yeah, actually, it's um, speaking of you know global perspective. So our team is based in in Europe, but our customers are all over the world. So we have customers in Australia and uh, US, and yeah, pretty much everywhere. UK, Europe. That's kind of our main geographies. But uh, it it's kind of yeah, it's, it's software, so it's not like we have to be there. It's not like we have to like ship something physical out into the world. So it's pretty easy to to onboard customers globally. Right. Right. Definitely. Before we go, and this has been a fascinating conversation, Daniel and Doran, I really appreciate you joining the podcast today and uh, exciting to hear what you're working on and the developments. But give me a, a, a few thoughts about where we're headed in customer experience and what you're hearing from customers. What, what's the future hold for us from your perspective? That's a it's an important but also tough question, actually, because of course... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, 
first thing that comes to mind is also the macro economy that we're in right now. It changes a lot of priorities for a lot of companies. Um, so I definitely think that people are in this, you know, mindset of trying to retain as many customers as possible because uh, it's harder now to win customers. People have lower budgets than they had before. You know, budgets are tightening up due to the um, yeah, macroeconomic situation that we're we're find ourselves in globally in 2023. So I definitely think that uh, there's a big trend of wanting to like make sure that your customers are are happy and they stay loyal with you and then show them that you really care about them. Uh, which is also the point that Doran made earlier about using customer support as a profit center and a, a growth mechanism rather than just a cost center. So I think that will amplify a lot this year. Doran, any Doran? thoughts? <clears throat> Um, from my point of view, I think uh, I mean we everyone seeing what uh, what's happening with the chat uh, GPT and the AI. I think that will be uh, one of the major components of doing uh, customer support in the future. Maybe not this year, but uh, it's coming. Sure. Excellent, yeah, John. Oh, go ahead. Thanks, thanks, Daniel and Doran for those comments. So, uh, listeners are interested in getting in touch with you. How about a website or contact information to share with our listeners? Yeah, for sure. If you want to learn more about Fullview and what we do, uh, you can visit our website. It's just uh, fullview.io. That's our uh, yeah our website. Uh, and feel free to yeah reach out on LinkedIn as well. You can find uh, me and Doran. I'm Daniel Bach. That's B A K H and uh, Doran Tarawu. Uh, perhaps you can put the notes in the show notes if that makes sense. But otherwise, do. our website, fullview.io, is very easy to find. Excellent. Thank you both. Really appreciate your insights and good luck as you continue to build out uh, Fullview. Thank, Thank you so much, us. Bob. Appreciate yeah. it. And this has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your networks. And as always, stay tuned for future podcasts of the All Things Considered CX, as well as my colleagues at the CXFM Radio Podcast Network. Until next time, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.